not only are you seeing the the Ma and Pa Mexicano restaurant being evicted, what you're seeing moving in there is some white dude with a lot of money opening up a pan Latino restaurant with the exact same menu as Ma and Pa had, but just upscale. That was mission-born poet Josiah Luis Alderete. I'm your host, Jeff Hunt. Welcome to Storied San Francisco, a weekly podcast where San Franciscans from all walks of life share their stories, and you get to know your neighbors. In this podcast, Josiah picks up where he left off in part one, talking about the tours he did around the country with the traveling poetry group Molotov Mouths. He shares his thoughts on the first and second waves of massive gentrification in his home neighborhood of the Mission. Josiah reflects on his job at the iconic San Francisco bookstore City Lights, and he ends the podcast by reciting his powerful poem about gentrification, which we're beyond honored to have here on the podcast. It's called Galleria de la Raza Blues. Thanks again to Cassandra Dalit for introducing us to this talented and hella nice poet. Here's Josiah. I want to hear about this group that you're talking about kind of formed out of the Babar readings. The Molotov Mouse, it's funny because we had a, uh, we had a reunion that we didn't realize was a reunion. I'm gonna try, I was going to try and find the book, but it might be impossible. Um, last night, we all, we all got asked to read it. A, 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 it was a celebration for some undocumented uh, students. Their kind of graduation ceremony. Right on. Yeah, man. So it was it was really beautiful, but uh, and it ended up that like all of us were there. Um, but there's man, the Molotovs. That's like a that's some San Francisco memories for me. That was um the, the original Molotovs were a group called James Tracy, uh, Ananda Esteban, uh, Dana Montgomery, Leroy Moore, um, and George Tirado. Okay. And um, yeah, this was a group, and we were all all poets at the time, sort of um involved in in different different poetry cliques um and because of james who's still around he's a brilliant organizer works uh sf state teacher um just an amazing human he sort of got us all together and i think he even gave us our name um Mm -hmm. you know and then we we ended up getting an anthology published by manic d press uh called explosive new writings which I was trying to find, but I can't. There's too many damn books in this house, man. <laughs> yeah, we were published by by, uh, by Manic Deep Press in the 90s. And um, the book came out. And then James was like, let's tour the U.S., which we did uh, because of him, his organizing and all that stuff. But we were in a van, man. And for me, like, it was like another another chapter of my schooling. You know, we went all over the East Coast, New York, Philly, uh, Chicago uh, came to Portland. We were in Seattle, the Bumper Shoot Festival. We got to play at that crazy thing, and like, was this a road played, trip uh, or did you guys fly? No, we drove. We, at say. one point, we like drove. We drove, and then I remember I was very, uh, you know, I was young, so there was a lot of there, uh, there's some pharmaceuticals involved. There's mem- mm-hmm. some memory things, but um, <laughs> we, we got on the plane at one point, got to the East Coast, and I think when we had to do the Bumper Shoot thing, we, we got back on a plane and came back here. Okay. I remember Bumper Shoot was kind of hazy to be honest. I remember someone taking me to Jimi Hendrix's house and and uh, uh, the 
What's that rum? The pirate guy on the rum? Oh, Captain Morgan? Yeah, there was a, a, a advertisement where some Captain Morgan guy jumped out of an airplane and parachuted down into the crowd. It was very strange <laughs> on, on drugs. I, I wasn't sure what was going on, but yeah. Yeah, but that was, but um, it was amazing, man, because again, that was, it, it showed me the different pockets of poetry communities that are out there, you know, and for us, I mean, the East Coast, man, oh man, the roots there, you know, the, the, the deep, the deep, the Puerto Rican poets in, in, in the East Coast, man, yep. we owe them so much, you know, yep. and I was, we read with a group called the Welfare Poets, which is these old school poets down there, and um, it, it was such a beautiful introduction, and, and just being on the road with people, you know, we, we went to Washington, we uh, took LSD and, and ended up at the Holocaust Museum and saw Ozzy Osbourne there, I don't know what Ozzy was doing there while we okay. were there. But there were weird moments, and then there was deeply, deeply poetic moments that were just like, I don't know, I wouldn't trade for nothing else. But but I was gonna say that's life. It was it was a really really crazy trip, man. It was a lot of, yeah yeah a lot. Of, and when we got to New York, I'll never forget this too. There was a huge blackout, uh, and it was mm. probably two years or a little after nine eleven. So it was this giant enormous blackout when we got there. So we ended up having to walk to Spanish Harlem. Um, and man, that whole, the, New York had so much love for each other. I mean, they were still watching out for each other because of what had happened, you know, but mm -hmm. it was like the, our, my exposure to New York was the complete antithesis of all those like East coast versions of like the mean New Yorker. I mean, it was just mm -hmm. like, everyone was watching out for each other and mm -hmm. it was such a, it's just such beautiful memories, man. But that, yeah, but that, that group, it had a big influence on us and, you know, we, we read, we read in a lot of places here in the, in the Bay Area. We did a lot of events for folks. We read SF State. You know, we read it. I, I remember reading it, and this was, I mean, obviously years before I worked there, but, you know, we got to read it City Lights, which was like, God, man, it was such a crazy moment for us. And that was back then when they, you know, City Light, they were doing the events downstairs in the basement. So mm. it was like, it was a big deal. But um, yeah, Were you man, living in San Francisco that whole time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was That was still the San Francisco days, so. On that was, what was I? I'm, I don't think I was on 20th and Bryant yet. I think I might have been on, maybe it was 20th and Bryant. Yeah. No, 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 it wasn't. No, never mind. Yeah. So we're talking, since we're talking about like that kind of late uh, 90s, early 2000s, do you want to talk about, because I feel like that was the first wave of mission gentrification, right? Do you want to talk about any of that? Well, yeah, that was, um, I mean, thank you for bringing that up because, you know, people um, uh, uh, generally America no tiene memoria, but um, yeah, people don't realize, um, you know, they see it, the mission now and they talk about gentrification and, and uh, but I mean, the years that it's been going on and the 90s was really the first heavy wave, you know, and that was, that was literally when it was just like the first wave. So when shit started changing, it was a big deal. I mean, now... It's really funny. I'll I'll, uh, I'll eavesdrop on people, and when I'm working at City Lights, <laughs> you know. And then I remember right before we closed, one of the there was a Saturday night, and this guy was, uh, you know, and not to stereotype, but there's that white mission hipster that mm -hmm. looks a certain way now, whatever. Mm -hmm. But so I, I I spotted one in the wilds <laughs> of, of the uh, the bookstore downstairs, and he was on one of them uh, one of them dates that the kids go on these days, you know, where they swipe right, left. Yeah. yeah. So they were like getting to know each other, you know, and, yeah. and he's, he's complained to his, to his, to his date as, 
oh, Valencia Street is just so crowded these days. I can't even walk by. I've been living there two years, and it's insane. I'm just like, you know, I'm thinking, like, Biff, you have no idea, man. This shit, like, you have no idea. And I almost stopped shelving to say something, but I don't, you know, when I eavesdrop, I try not to prove it. But, um, you know, so the 90s, it was a big deal. I mean, Valencia Street, like I said, that none of those, those shops literally were all working class shops. There's, like, appliance places, you know, books, so working class people's stores, taquerias. So I, I remember, I remember finding a, <laughs> I remember finding a hundred dollar bill in front of Blowfish Sushi on Bryan Street. <laughs> Again, man, something's going on here. Like I'm not complaining, but something's going on. And also, uh, a, a telltale sign for me was that apparently, uh, Starbucks had this master plan to market a, a bars, just like they they marketed cafes. I think I've heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. So their first bar was on Bryant Street, and it was called, uh, Christ, it starts with an S or something. But it basically looked like the cast, the, the cast, uh, the set of friends. Oh, it was like this weird bar with all these couches and a cicarella or something like that. It was, but it was, yeah. so when I, I remember seeing that, like, well, something's going on in the mission, <laughs> like, you know, something really yeah. familiar. And then there was like these, there was these groups that were like actually, um, on Valencia Street, when, when the crowded started happening with the restaurants and people, all that, there was like these groups that would start vandalizing the cars out there. It was like an SUV vandalizing movement that started mm. happening. I noticed that, which I yeah. honestly, I mean, I, I'm, I'm like, don't, don't do that shit. You know, whatever. I get it. But it, it was, I remember feeling sort of a mixed feeling when I'd see that kind of shit. But that started happening in the early 90s, you know. And then, so you, you start seeing things shift around a little bit, new businesses open up. I remember an oxygen bar opening up on oh, Valencia yeah. Street. Yep. Remember that? 19th, yep. Yeah, so I was like, what? Oxygen? Like, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, there were some signs that were definitely like, man, this neighborhood's some, 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 you know, so yeah. it, it was hard, but um, I mean. Well, not to minimize that, any of that, but that first wave of tech gentrification is almost quaint now compared to. Oh, yeah. No, no, it are, is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. No, Almost it is. Nothing. I mean, because you know they're just jamming more gentrification on top of each other now. So it's like, yeah, you you know the with all them companies went public this year. So how many hundreds of new millionaires are there in the city that are like under twenty? So like, right. you know, all this shit is like it was quaint, man. It was like it was very quaint finding a hundred dollar bill on like you know in front of like you know it's like oh you know this is cute. Yeah, yeah. There was um. I mean, we had no idea. And for me, what's baffling now is that I mean, we gotta imagine because it's not gonna stop. Right. You know, so like what's, how, how is this gentrification going to morph like two years from what the hell is it going to look like? Are we even going to be allowed on Valencia Street? You know, are they going to be like, you know, what's going, like what, what the fuck? You know? It would take massive structural changes in society that I'm still hopeful can happen. But I feel like that's the only thing. And I'm talking about, you know, this country, but also this city. Because yeah. this city, uh, I don't have to tell you, loves loves capitalism it's right and that's kind of what we're talking about like all these giveaways that paved the way for those companies to move in and you know and push people out but yeah no yeah it's it's and you know even that that all that news about some of the the tech folk leaving i'm like it's not enough (laughs) so no yeah but yeah wake me up when it's enough (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're right on the money about that bro that the the city did pave them you know that way for them like Mm -hmm. you know like please come in here like do that you know so yeah it's uh yeah i don't see it i mean and not to take away anything from the revolutionaries but honestly i 
I don't see it going away, you know? I don't yeah. see it going away, so. Do you want to talk about then, so uh, comparing that first wave to what we started seeing in the late first decade and then the, this last 10 years in the mission? Because I think it's, I think it's different, personally. Well, yeah, no, it is. I mean, it, it is. I mean, there's, there's, there's a foundation. This is what's scary to me. Um, scariest stuff. That the gentrification has laid a foundation. The gentrification now has roots in, in the neighborhood. So like that dude that, that, that was so bummed that this Valencia Street has been so crowded. He's been living there two years. That dude's considered like an old residence of, of the neighborhood now. Mm -hmm. Like he's got roots there. He saw like the fucking pop-up blue cornmeal taco shop go up there next to the Tesla fucking Salvadorian food truck. And he'd seen all that shit. You know, he's like, he's in the neighborhood. So like, yeah. it was like, like you said, it, there, it, was, there was, it was quaint in the beginning. It hadn't gotten that level, you know, where it's like, now you're seeing levels of like, not only are you seeing the, the ma and pa, Mexicano restaurant being evicted. What you're seeing moving in there is some white dude with a lot of money opening up a pan Latino restaurant mm -hmm. with the exact same menu as Ma and Pa had, but just upscale, you know? And usually there's a mission statement on the wall saying, I felt a need to bring this food to you to, you know, there's this whole like rediscovery, you know, I, I call it, uh, I call it, gentrifooding because for me okay. like growing up in a, in, in a restaurant and, and we didn't even talk about this i i owned a, i owned and ran my own taco shop for 22 years in marine county in fairfax okay so I, I split off vermont did my thing so for me like the the transition of food and like the food is deeply a deep part of my cultura and my orgullo so seeing that happen in, in the neighborhood is really disturbing just seeing you know the these changes like our food being like appropriated you know mm -hmm. and, and being told that you're you're giving it to us you know i've seen these statements in so many restaurants it's disgusting it's like a colonizer mindset yeah. quite literally culinary colonizer there you go yeah um i thought you were going to talk about the um because i used to the place i lived was right down the street from la rondaya and how it's like a salad place now la rondaya you that Come on, like remember the, the birthday, the, the the fucking tinsel everywhere and shit, mm -hmm. and the mariachis in the middle of the night. And outside of that place was the last working payphone that took callbacks. Oh shit. So that was a big deal, man, in, in that neighborhood. So La Rondaya, man, rest in peace. Yeah. Salbar, no. When did you start working at City Lights? City Lights has been about four years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm still a baby considered to everybody else. Uh, that's like a yeah, I mean, some of them veterans, but City Lights, yeah, man, that, that's a, that's been a, it's been a blessing uh, being there because for me, it's like a deep connection to San Francisco. I mean, because the roots of that bookstore go deep, so it's mm -hmm. like it's it, in a lot of ways. I'm so grateful to, to be given space there, but I'm also grateful because being there reminds me of the roots of the city in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, just that and how we're still there. And literally your own roots, like you said, a couple blocks away. Oh my God, big time, man. And, and you know, growing up, it's like, like I told you, you got to relearn all that stuff from school. So when, when I rediscovered Writers and Poets, I mean, back then, that was the first bookstore I went into. You know, the mission was later on when I got older. But I mean, I, I discovered City Lights probably, thir you know, 13 or 14 years old. Oh, wow. You know, so, I, you know, going in there and 
start poking around and get, get, as you get older, you get deeper and deeper into it. But, you know, it was a, it was a, I owe a lot to that bookstore. So I, I feel real proud being there and contributing to it now. Cause it's, it's been a, it's been nice. Yeah. yeah. Are you guys open? I I've lost track. Yeah. Yeah. We've been open three weeks now. Uh, we had to reconfigure the whole place, you know, to, to make room for the social distancing and mm -hmm. we had to move a bunch of stuff around. I know I'm going to sound like a salesman, but honestly, I like the way it is now better right. through that with everything more organized and put everything more organized. Yeah. It's, it's just seems more, I don't know. It's like cozier. It's weird. It's hmm. a weird thing to say, but, but yeah, but it's been, it's been interesting coming back and watching people come in and, you know, do that thing, uh, keep being a hall monitor is a little strange now. We got to tell people to keep a certain distance and disinfect your hands when you come in and wear the mask and stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's, um, you know, we got to do it. We got yeah, to. absolutely. We have different themes every season and this season we're about halfway through it, but our theme this season is love letters to the city. Um, so I just want to throw that out. If you had to write a love letter to San Francisco. Yeah. Let me let, let, let this is a love letter, believe it or not. It might be a blues song, but it's a love letter. Perfect. We'll just do this here. Okay. I got the Galleria de la Raza Blues. I said I got the Galleria de la Raza Blues, man. I remember me mama taking me to see matinees at the old Mission Theater of black and white India Maria movies and 70s cops flicks dubbed in Espanol. I remember cuando Valencia Street was nothing but long stretches of appliance stores, leather tongue video in the chameleon bar. I remember using the payphone outside the La Rondalla, hitting pound 911 and waiting for my dealer to round the corner in his van. I remember cuando el Dia de los Muertos procession was not a DJ block party with margarita tube drinks and techies still wearing their Austin powers and sexy made costumes because they think this is a Mexican Halloween. I got the Galleria de la Raza Blues. I remember being handed Xeroxed broad sheets of poems by Swan the Pigeon Man in the afternoons in the old Dolores Park. I remember the poet Jack Micheline's painted room in the back of Abandoned Planet books, man. I remember Café Macondo. I remember Café Babar. I remember Balasso Gallery. I remember finding a pink prom dress in the doorway of Esta Noche the day after they closed, man. I got the Galleria de la Raza Blues. I remember young dealers from Nicaragua posting up hella early on the corner of 24th and Folsom, dope balloons in their mouths, working off an American debt. I remember seeing the red man, always painted in red, clothes, fingernails, skin, eyebrows, mustache, man, even the mustache was red, and he wandered the streets of La Mision, mumbling words that came out red. I remember being told that Oscar Zeta Acosta, man, the brown buffalo, lived and wrote in an SRO hotel on Valencia Street above what is now another pinche pour over coffee spot, man. I got the Galeria de la Raza Blues. I remember the donut shop on 20th and Mission with its donuts in the front and stolen TVs in the back and its sign that read, open 25 hours a day. I remember George Tirado's 500 pound shadow. 
I remember Francisco Alacron's tiny bifocals. I remember Rene Yanis as a giant intricately painted cardboard angelito residing over all of this. I remember that Sonia Sanchez has walked these streets, that Nancy Morejon has walked these streets. I remember that Avacha still wanders these streets, man. I remember Alfonso Textador's limp. I got the Galeria de la Raza Blues, man. And I remember these things so I can remember my neighborhood. I remember these things so I don't get lost in the forests of reclaimed wood that is lining your cafes insides and your dot coms outside San Francisco. I remember this so I can get out of the way of the Ubers and Lyfts and Google buses that are not driving me anywhere that is a part of you, San Francisco. Híjole. I'm tired of reminiscing about the places where mi cultura and neighborhood used to be. Memorias and the gone views that we conjure and describe to people that have never been here and ask us, what is San Francisco really like? Man, I got the Galeria de la Raza Blues. Damn. Yeah. Fucking beautiful. Oh my God, Josiah, thank you so much. Um, is there anything obvious, glaring? I know, you know, people's lives, there's a lot, but we've already talked about a lot. Anyway, before I stop recording, anything else you want to throw in? Yeah, um, well, I mean, I, 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 I do run the Latinx reading series uh, that I've been, it's a long, long running reading series uh, because basically, you know, we talk very briefly about uh, poetry and you sort of have to re relearn it and you know poetry readings in many ways are very colonized spaces mm -hmm. very very colonized spaces so for me i started this reading series uh as a tribute to some of the some of the reading series that inspired me specifically the la lunada at the galleria de Raza on 24th um mm -hmm. which was an amazing reading series that went on for years that had a huge impact on so many poets and artists and provided space for brown and black folks to read and, and express their cultura so I started this reading series in Oakland with Nomadic Press called Speaking Ashalot. And it's a monthly series that's been going on third Thursday of every month. And we call it a decolonized poetic space. And awesome. I'm really proud of that. And really proud that this, this, this next week, actually, we celebrate two years awesome. uh, anniversary. And so for me, even though I have been ejected from the mission, I am what I have started to call part of the mission diaspora in mm -hmm. the Bay Area, mm -hmm. where these artists still leave. And even though we get pushed out of our neighborhoods, we take those neighborhoods, we take that neighborhood with us wherever right. we go. And so for me, starting this reading series in Oakland, as beautiful of a city as Oakland is, it's my, my tribute to San Pancho, to San Francisco, mm -hmm. and the reading series that had a huge influence on me. So Awesome. That's very important for me to mention and to talk about and, and to have say. Have you guys me. have you guys moved online on Zoom or something? Yeah, we're in the Zoom window now. It's been like the past four have been like on Zoom, so it's it's a, I mean it's it's nothing like the real thing, of course. But the sure. advantages to the Zoom thing, man, and I'm not a fan because I I, I, I we need the interaction, and I mm -hmm. I understand why we're doing it. But the thing with a Zoom is is you get folks from all over now mm -hmm. tuning in. You know, so the series, I mean, we got people from Puerto Rico, from New York, from like. You know, and I've noticed that in a lot of other things. I do city lights events too. And, you know, so the range is pretty amazing, but um, 
Yeah, yeah. And the literary community really made that transition here in the Bay Area really quick to Zoom. But it's really, really sweet community. And there's an open mic, too. So anyone's welcome to read. So, But every month we feature two black and brown poets reading. And then there's like open mic for everybody. So. That was Josiah Luis Adarete. On the next episode of Storied San Francisco, Michelle and I go on a field trip to Dragon Spunk Grows, a Black-owned farm in the Bayview, where we'll meet Isaiah Powell. Music for Storied San Francisco is by Otis McDonald. Photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. The show is hosted and produced by me. Michelle and I have produced more than 120 episodes over the last three years, and you can find them all over at our website, storiedsf.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, as well as just about everywhere you can listen to podcasts. Please subscribe to stay up to date on all the content we publish. And if you have any feedback for us, or you just want to say hi, our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, stay safe, and stay healthy.